Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hello. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. I'm Liv, and as you may know, I'm a huge nerd. Specifically for mythology, but let's be honest, I'm a nerd about a hundred other things too, because I'm human and, you know, who isn't? I just want to tell you all that, uh, well, it's like 30, no, it's like, I have no idea how to say how hot it is not in you know, Celsius for you Americans, but basically it's fucking hot in my house right now because I live in the Pacific Northwest and, you know, when the earth is not dying, we don't have summers like this and so no one has AC and so the house is a sauna and not only that, but as you may have seen on my Instagram or have just heard about in previous episodes, in this new house I have, I record under what I call the podcast ghost, which just means I have to put a sheet over myself and the computer and my microphone and just sit in this little bubble of heat as I listen to myself talk. And, well, I'm melting and uh, just needed to tell you all that, so thanks. On a wonderful note, I'm also excited to announce this episode is sponsored by Prep Dish, a meal planning service that serves up incredible meal plans and recipes for supremely tasty, gluten-free, and paleo meals. They do all the heavy lifting when it comes to planning a meal. And frankly, I'm straight up the laziest cook ever, and I can never think of anything halfway decent to cook, so I'm pretty sure Prep Dish is made for me but more on that later. So back to ye old Trojan War, which I now feel like I've said about a thousand times because, guys, have you ever heard about how long this war lasted? Man, did it ever end? Eventually. 
And when we get there, there will be patricide and matricide and furies and sea monsters and witches and sirens and the founding of Rome. And I'm giving away too much already. We're still in the war. So let's get back to it. This is episode 36, The Iliad, part 8. The beginning of the end of the beginning. Achilles has told the Greeks he won't help them. Agamemnon offered him anything he could have wanted, and he's not having it. Achilles is, frankly, a whiny little asshole at this point. Though, if you read the Song of Achilles, you'll still be deeply in love with him, because that's just how true love works, okay? Sometimes the man you love is a real dipshit ruining everything for everyone. But Patroclus deals with it, and you deal with it. But, as in every episode, I digress. Achilles won't help the Greeks, but he has offered that Phoenix can stay with him and sail home to Phythia. And Phoenix, of course, feels a devotion to Achilles. He wants to stay with the Greeks, but he also feels that Achilles is almost like a son to him. So what's he to do? Achilles has told the Greeks that he won't fight until Hector is literally on top of him. Hector has to make his way through the entire Greek camp and be near burning the ships and finally reach the Myrmidons' camp, and then, just maybe, Achilles will consider stepping in. Odysseus and the other Greeks assembled to listen to this got the point. Not that it was hard to understand, Achilles wasn't interested in helping them. He was still endlessly angry at Agamemnon, so they returned to Agamemnon's camp to tell him the news. Agamemnon asks immediately, what did Achilles say? Will he help us? Will he save the Greeks from death? Or is he still too wrapped up in his rage? Odysseus doesn't mince words. Dude is not over it. He's still fucking pissed, he tells Agamemnon, in a way that he might have phrased it if he were a millennial. He tells Agamemnon that not only has Achilles said he won't help, but he's also threatening to leave entirely. He's threatening to return home after all these years, just as things are finally coming to a head. Odysseus tells them everything, in, of course, great detail, because that's just how Homer did things. And finally, after he's finished, one of the Greeks who's been listening decides he has an opinion. Diomedes, oh, Diomedes, stands up and tells Agamemnon off. He tells him that he never should have offered those gifts to Achilles, should never have cowed to him and tried to gain his favor. He'll do what he wants. He'll fight what he wants, or more likely he won't. He's not beholden to anyone, and that makes him dangerous. So Diomedes advises Agamemnon, ignore Achilles entirely. Instead, as soon as dawn appears over the horizon, band all the Greeks together and send them out to defend our ships and our camps. Urge them on with yourself on the front lines. Let's fight this without Achilles' help. We don't need him anyway. Aha, egos. Morning arrives. And with this morning, Zeus sends one of my favorite goddesses of all time. He sends her to the army of the Greeks. Eris. Strife. Discord. Fucking badass female who wants nothing more than to fuck shit up. She arrives at the Greek army holding a symbol of war, and she appears next to Odysseus's own ship. 
She stands there and she screams out a war cry that echoes throughout the camps of the Greeks. Boy, did her yell travel. Because she's Eris and she's fucking awesome. Eris stirs up the hearts of the soldiers, making them angry and vengeful towards the Trojans. She makes them as ready for war as they've ever been. They desire it. They can't wait to get back to the fighting. Eris, she causes strife. The understatement of a lifetime. Agamemnon himself prepares. He puts on his armor and he psychs himself up for the upcoming battle, the worst they've had yet, because Eris is involved. I'm going to continue to emphasize not only her importance, but also her badassery. Agamemnon prepares. He covers himself in his armor, which we're told has an extensive backstory, which I have no desire to explain to you because, frankly, it's not that important and it's overly detailed and wordy, as per usage. And so the Greeks are ready. They line up their chariots in formation and look down across the fields towards where they'll soon meet the Trojans in this battle. A battle that feels different from those they've had before whether it's because they don't have Achilles and that they know he's not coming, or because badass Eris is there stirring shit up. Or maybe both. Regardless, this one is different. On the Trojan side of the forthcoming battle, Hector and Aeneas are stationed with other leaders of the Trojan army, whom I won't name because they would be far too many names. For now, Hector and Aeneas are who we need to know. Hector carries his shield, and he shifts between the front of the ranks to the back, constantly with the troops on all sides, psyching them up. And with that, the two sides rushed each other. Swords and shields clang together in what I always think of as such a troubling way to approach a battle— it's always like that in period pieces, you know? They just rush at each other with these swords and whatnot, and basically, doesn't everyone in the front get stabbed? Because how could you not? Anyway, I've watched enough Lord of the Rings to have some real opinions on how these battles operate. This is how that went down. Meanwhile, Strife, Eris, is still inserting herself in this because that's what she does, and isn't she fun? She looks on with joy as this insane violence takes place. Again, swords and shields clanging, blood splattering everywhere. Eris is the only god watching, and she's loving it. The others, the Olympians, sit at home, not involving themselves, though still equally annoyed that they can't involve themselves. But later, Zeus watches too, though from farther away. It's Eris who wants to be in the thick of it. Zeus watches in satisfaction, though, because he's a bit dark and just likes to watch humans kill each other. Don't we love Zeus? The killings continue for hours, without much eventfulness except for endless injuries of men we haven't been paying attention to up to this point. Then, apparently at an hour when a woodcutter would have a meal, you know, the typical way of telling time, at that hour, Agamemnon starts killing. One momentous killing went this way, quote, Agamemnon stabbed him between the eyes, and the spear was not only stopped by the heavy bronze of his helmet, but tore right through it and through the bone, and his brain splattered inside the bronze, and he fell in the dust. From there, Agamemnon just keeps on killing. Stanzas and stanzas of killing. Graphic, endless killing. Ah, war. Agamemnon keeps on killing and urging the rest of the Greeks on with him. 
They all surge forward through the Trojans, mowing them down as they go. The Trojans at this point are basically forced backward toward the gates to their city. When they get there, they wait for the stragglers still being chased on by the Greeks. Closer and closer, the Greeks get to the walls of Troy. Agamemnon's at the head of the party, but when he finally reaches the gates, Zeus finally decides that now is the time to insert himself in the battle. He heads down to Mount Ida, the mountain that overlooks Troy, holding a thunderbolt in his hands. He calls Iris. Remember Iris? The messenger god before Hermes was the messenger god. Or she's a goddess, rather. Zeus calls down Iris and sends her with a message for Hector. Iris races towards the leader of the Trojans and gives him this message. As long as he can see Agamemnon at the front of the Greek army, he needs to keep himself back and order the Trojan army to take the brunt of the attack. Hector himself must keep back, but when Agamemnon is brought down by any weapon, then Zeus grants Hector the power to kill until he reaches the Greek ships and the sun sets. Quite the order. Let your men be killed and injured in place of yourself until someone else takes down the equally powerful leader on the Greek side. But Hector realizes that the best thing he can do here is what Zeus ordered. He is annoying and angry, that Zeus, after all, but why fuck with him? So the Trojans fight the Greeks, but Hector stays back, watching and waiting. And Agamemnon continues taking down Trojan after Trojan until finally he is stabbed in the elbow. The spear stabs all the way through Agamemnon's arm, but it doesn't stop him and barely even slows him down. In return, Agamemnon kills the man who stabs him, finishing a family line all in the course of a few thrusts of a spear. Blood gushing from his wound, Agamemnon continues to fight the Trojans. But after a little while, the blood starts to dry and harden, and just like that, Agamemnon is overcome with pain. According to this translation, pain just like a woman in labor. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander 
with three spacious rows of seating up to eight passengers. Yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So apparently after experiencing pain just like a woman in labor, which I still have no words for, Agamemnon is finally slowed down and he gets in his chariot and heads back toward the Greek ships. He calls out to the other Greeks as he leaves that they must continue fighting and keep the Trojans away from the Greek ships. He even claims it's Zeus advising him to withdraw now. Who's to say? But if that's true, Zeus is really helping Hector now. Hector, of course, watches Agamemnon as he begins to retreat back toward the Greek ships, and he knows his time has come. He motions the Trojans and tells them that they're all to make their way toward the ships, taking down whoever they can in the process. Zeus has just told him it's time for him to be victorious. The Trojans have all their confidence brought back to them by this news, and the tables turn completely. They'd just been forced all the way back to the gates of their city, and now they know it's their turn. But not to forget about the real hero here. Odysseus sees this renewed energy in the Trojans and watches as Hector orders them to make their way toward the ships. And he motions to Diomedes, pointing out what he's just seen, and asking him to stand by to fight. Diomedes immediately is a Debbie Downer and notes that there's no point because clearly Zeus has given victory to Hector just now, but Odysseus is a badass, and he continues on. Between the two of them, they begin decimating the Trojan troops. Hector sees this and makes his way towards Odysseus and Diomedes to try to stop them himself. Diomedes throws his spear at Hector's head, but it's stopped by his helmet. Hector falls to his knees from the force of the spear, But before Diomedes can finish him off, he's distracted, and Hector leaps up and into his chariot, escaping Diomedes. Diomedes takes his anger out on any and all Trojans nearby, but meanwhile, Paris, he who started it all, watches from away. His bowstring pulled back as he aims at Diomedes. He releases the arrow, and it pierces through Diomedes's foot. Not a kill shot, to say the least. But Paris is truly a little dink, and he jumps up in the air and yells about how his arrow flew straight and Diomedes is injured. Yeah, an arrow through a foot is a real feat, Paris. Pun intended. (laughs) Diomedes responds by ranting and raving about how Paris barely scratched him and how Diomedes could kill anyone. How when he wounds a man, it's fatal. Not like this nonsense wound Paris has just given him. And when he finishes this lengthy rant... Odysseus provides cover for him while he yanks the arrow out and then complains loudly about how much pain he's in, so can his charioteer please bring him back to the ships? So Diomedes has left him. All of the Greeks have left him. Odysseus is alone. As I mentioned at the top, I'm psyched to say that this episode is sponsored by Prep Dish. Again, Prep Dish is a meal planning service that makes it a whole lot easier to cook healthy meals, because you don't actually have to do any of the thinking. PrepDish serves up gluten-free and paleo meal plans, and you can make them dairy-free too. 
Each week you get the plan in your inbox. It tells you everything you need to know so that you just buy the ingredients. You do a fun prep day where you get everything ready. And then when it comes to the actual dinner day, you just cook up what you've prepped based on their detailed and easily understandable instructions. And you're sitting in front of an incredible, healthy and tasty meal. I've mentioned maybe one too many times that I am crazy busy lately. My job is seemingly endless, and the days I have off are typically spent researching, writing, and recording this podcast, so I was incredibly excited to try Prep Dish. Now, full disclosure, I love gluten. Big fan of bread. But my sister, who is also my roommate, is hardcore celiac. Truly, it sucks. And so the plans provided by Prep Dish were a real lifesaver. They've given me an excuse to eat a little less bread, which is something every gluten lover could do every once in a while. And I can make a meal that my sister and I can share, and she will avoid being poisoned. Allison, the founder of Prep Dish, is offering my listeners a free two-week trial of this awesome meal planning service when you visit the website prepdish.com myths. That's prepdish.com myths. P-R-E-P-D-I-S-H dot com slash myths. You'll also find that link in the description for this episode. PrepDish makes cooking meals easier. It takes the guesswork out of making tasty and healthy meals and is utterly ideal for people with busy lives or those who just aren't particularly creative in the kitchen. Or if you're like me and both of those things, it's basically a godsend. Pseudo pun intended. Odysseus. My main man, Odysseus, is alone, the only Greek in a sea of incoming Trojans. So what's Odysseus to do? He decides it will be disgraceful if he were to flee just because he's outnumbered. He's no coward, and clearly it's Zeus that scattered the Greeks away from him. No, he knows he needs to stand his ground and show the Trojans who's boss. They get nearer and nearer the army of Trojans who have quickly realized that the great Odysseus is alone, making him, from their perspective, just a little less great. And just like that, Odysseus starts taking out Trojans left and right. Before anyone can get their heads around what's happening, he's taken out six Trojans. Finally, a Trojan comes at Odysseus and stabs him with a spear. It pierces his armor and makes it through to his chest, But Athena, we're told, prevents it from doing any major damage. Odysseus realizes that he's not mortally wounded, and he tells this Trojan who's just stabbed him that today will be this man's last day on Earth. And just like that, he stabs him in the chest, and it's all over for this dude. Odysseus is a fucking badass. But still, Odysseus has been wounded, and the other Trojans notice that he's bleeding. They start moving in closer, and Odysseus realizes that he can't keep them back much longer— especially now that he's injured. So he starts shouting for help. Eventually, Menelaus hears him from wherever he is on the battlefield, and he tells Ajax, who's there with him, that they must go find Odysseus and help him. So those two take off, and they quickly find Odysseus, who's surrounded by Trojans who are closing in fast. Ajax and Menelaus help Odysseus into a chariot so they can get him off the battlefield to have his wounds taken care of, and Ajax starts taking out Trojans himself. Now, remember, Ajax is legit called Ajax the Great, and so he is incredibly intimidating to the Trojans. He's just a straight-up enormous dude, and he knows what he's doing with a spear. He does some real damage to the Trojans right there. (laughs) 
Meanwhile, Hector is fighting the Greeks far off from where this has all gone down with Odysseus and Ajax and Menelaus. He's kicking butt himself. Honestly, it's tricky to know who to root for here, because both sides have awesome dudes and huge assholes. As Hector is fighting the Greeks, dinky old Paris uses another one of his arrows and he takes out Machaon, the healer. Those who have read the Song of Achilles will know Machaon is the one who taught Patroclus how to be a healer during the war itself. The Greeks quickly get Machaon off the battlefield. They know how important he is. They need their healer healed. As this is happening, a Trojan points out to Hector that they're fighting on the edge of the battle, but that Ajax is over there decimating the Trojans deeper into the battle. Realizing this dude is right, Hector and the Trojan race off toward Ajax. They recognize how damaging he can be. He's just so fucking big and strong. Ajax isn't numbered now, but he's still doing his best. One moment, the Trojans get closer to him, nearer and nearer with their spears, and the next, he's fending them off using his crazy strength and his skill with his spear. Single-handedly, Ajax stops the Trojans from advancing further towards the Greek ships. Ajax is a fucking savior. Another Greek, Eurypylus, notices that Ajax is fighting the Trojans like a real fucking badass, but that he's doing it all alone and he won't be able to continue on like this much longer. He gets together a bunch of Greeks to go help Ajax where he's fending off the Trojans from getting closer to the Greek ships. Ajax is really slowing down now, but when the others get to him, he stands tall once again and they all fight together. Back at the Greek tents, Machaon has just been brought in by Nestor and Achilles sees them coming. He's standing on his ship, not necessarily preparing to leave, but also not acting like he's not preparing to leave. He's a really good guy at this point in the war. Just a stand-up fellow. Essentially, he's just watching from on high as the Greeks are slaughtered, knowing that all they want is to have him help them, and thinking, nah, I won't be doing that. I'll just stand here and watch, even though everyone outwardly refers to me as the best of the Greeks, and I'm just doing nothing while they're all dying. Achilles calls to Patroclus, calling him, of course, joy of my heart, pointing out that now the Greeks will really need to come to him and beg for him to help them. Man, he's being a dick. After pointing out this super unhelpful point, he asked Patroclus to go help Nestor bring Machaon in, though he's not entirely certain that it is indeed the healer, Machaon. Arriving at the tent where Nestor has just brought Machaon, Patroclus confirms it is who they think it is. Their healer has been wounded. Nestor offers him a drink, because they're all very cordial in the war. But Patroclus declines, pointing out that he's really only there because Achilles asked him to figure out who it was that Nestor was bringing in wounded. Now that he knows it's Machaon, he'll head right back out to let Achilles know. But Nestor, rightfully, calls Patroclus out here. He asks him why Achilles gives a good goddamn who's injured now. He's clearly not concerned with what's happening with the Greeks, as he has zero inclination to help them. Nestor tells Patroclus that so many of their best men are wounded. Diomedes, Odysseus, Agamemnon, they're all in trouble and Achilles hasn't seemed to give a fuck up to this point, so why should he give a fuck about Machaon? Nestor proceeds to tell an epically long story about, basically, his golden years. He complains that he's not the man he used to be, and if he was, then he'd help more, but old Nestor likes to emphasize just how old he is. This story is about how great he used to be and how brave and wonderful a hero, but he's not now, so here he is. 
Then he calls on Patroclus's history with Achilles. He reminds Patroclus that when his father sent him to be with Achilles in the first place, way back when, he told him that Achilles was of a higher station than Patroclus in life. He's nobler, but that Patroclus's role was to be an advisor, to give Achilles sensible words that he could learn from. So Nestor tells Patroclus he should speak with Achilles, appeal to his true nature. Maybe Achilles will come around and help them. Or, Nestor suggests, if not, if Achilles won't come around to help the Greeks defeat the Trojans because of some prophecy from Zeus, something Achilles' mother, Thetis, may have told him, if there's something like that holding Achilles back, something that won't change no matter how much they appeal to his humanity, then maybe there's something else that Patroclus can do. Now remember, there is indeed a prophecy that Thetis told Achilles. Does Nestor know this for sure? It's not clear, but this is ultimately something that is holding Achilles back. I think right now he's also just straight up being a dick, but the original dickishness is based in this prophecy that if Achilles goes to war, then he'll die. But if he doesn't, he'll live a long life, though he'll be unknown. Nestor suggests that Patroclus ask Achilles to instead send Patroclus himself out into battle. Nestor suggests that Patroclus ask Achilles to send him out in Achilles' own armor, and with the rest of the Myrmidons following him as if Patroclus were Achilles himself. Nestor tells Patroclus that this will be easy. He can impersonate Achilles no problem, he just needs the armor and the Myrmidons. The Trojans will be so tired and the Myrmidons so fresh, together they'll soon drive the Trojans back toward Troy and away from the Greek camp. It'll be easy. Nestor tells Patroclus. It's a good idea, Nestor tells Patroclus. Impersonate Achilles, Nestor tells Patroclus. What could go wrong? Thank you all for listening to me once again. It's truly lovely. As usual, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, where I post mythological things, but also things that are funny and vaguely related to myths. Or maybe sometimes just pictures of myself holding merchandise I designed and then bought for myself because I'm a self-supporter, which is a term I just made up. You can also support me on Patreon or via one-time donation on my PayPal. Both can be found on my website, mythsbaby.com, under the Wanna Help tab. Today, as I explained to my sister-slash-roommate how during this seven-day-in-a-row stretch that I'm working, I have to research, write, and then record, edit this podcast over the evenings of the next five days in a row that I work, she said simply, you do so much fucking work. She may not have said fucking, she doesn't swear nearly as much as I do. But anyway, that's all my way of subtly pointing out that if you love this podcast, I'd love if you supported me, either via following me on some sort of social media or by supporting me via one of the ways I just mentioned. Anything and everything is appreciated, but I also understand if you can't, and bear with me while I ask, because, you know, why not ask? But also, I love you if you, even if you don't. Also, now may be the best time ever to support me, because next month I will be heading on a trip to Athens, where I will inundate Patreon and, to a lesser extent, standard social media with posts and pictures and endless, endless pieces of information about the history of Athens and ancient Greece as a whole, and obviously, and most importantly... The mythology. And, well, a data roaming plan out of Canada is like $100 for a single gig of data because it sucks to have a cell phone in Canada. 
So, you know, I could use all the help I can get. And speaking of Patreon, you can still vote in the poll I have up about which movie to watch and discuss next. Currently in the lead is Troy, which would be a fun one because Brad Pitt ain't that bad to look at in it. Vote now because in a little while I have three days off in a row and I'm going to watch and write and record the next Patreon-specific episode then. Okay, one final piece of housekeeping. I hope to release the first newsletter on August 15th. I'll tell you some fun things, I'll share a personal anecdote or two, I'll give you books to read, we'll have a wonderful old time. Also, I'll do it only once a month because I'm not made of time and you all probably receive enough emails as it is. So if you want in on that, visit my website and sign up on the homepage. Thank you again, you lovely people, you're the best, and thanks to Prep Dish for sponsoring this episode. I'm Liv, and I love this shit. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma. Delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style, the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.